Welcome again to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. This is Rick Wirtz, uh, founder and president of Faithful Fathering. Our guest uh, today is again in this segment. We're doing a series on dads standing in the gap, where we're talking uh, this time about arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And uh, so I want to recognize Mike Rosas with us again, minister and entrepreneur. Thank you for being here, Mike. My pleasure, Rick. Thanks for having me. We're uh, talking about, you know, dads standing in the gap. We've talked about standing in the gap in prayer. we talked about standing a- against the culture. Now, there's a, a lot of arguments and pretensions, uh, and it, uh, I always think, uh, you know, we, we always come into arguments with our own baggage, don't mm-hmm. we? And how, how, how were arguments handled in your home? Growing up. Growing up, well, uh, my dad was a very strong individual, and so it was, we're going to do it my way, and not much explanation, and, you know, you couldn't speak back to him. And so (laughs) it created this perspective that uh, leadership is always right, and you don't question leadership, uh, which I don't think is healthy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, at uh, in my house, it was the uh, loudest and the cursest. Uh, yeah, is a violent alcoholic home, and uh, and that's just the the way I grew up. And it was really fascinating in our marriage because my bride grew up in a home where uh, if voices got raised, the issue got tabled until everybody settled down. Wow! So there's a lot of tension in our marriage about even how we were going to argue, <laughs> yes. let alone uh, anything else. But. I was reading uh, uh, on uh, C.S. Lewis has a there's a, a God in the Dock, which is a summation of all of uh, it's, it's a publication with all of his essays. Oh, wow. And one of the essays was called The Establishment of the Oxford Socratic Club, where <laughs> Socrates enjoyed the argument. He wanted the argument to go wherever it went. Right. And, and so they set up the, the uh, Socratic Club to argue about Christianity. Mm. They wanted to welcome different points of view and, and argue it out. Wow. And they made no secret to the fact that they were Christian. And, and they said, anybody that comes into an argument and suggests that they're neutral, they're lying. Because we all have our background and yeah, our, and our, and our prejudices, our biases, our, our inclinations that come into an argument with a point of view. But he went on to develop the fact that uh, within the argument, as long as it's done respectfully, it's a very neutral ground. Mm -hmm. And then you can have healthy dialogue. And I I always thought, what a fascinating idea. I would have loved to have had that concept, uh, you know, growing up because here here I'm in my 60s and I'm still trying to learn how to argue well. Right. (laughs) So, uh, but it sounds like you had, uh, what, what developed your idea of how you argue? You know, it's it's kind of similar with me and my wife, Lydia. Um, she is the same way. She doesn't like to argue. She doesn't like to fight. And I love arguing because I do think it brings a greater truth and understanding. Um, I, I don't necessarily like tit for tat, but I love seeing minds engaged um, with polar opposite stances. And I believe scripturally, Right, you're not going to get something that's contrary to truth if you search it with the eyes and heart of the Father. What happens is that you see these two extremes and you get a better understanding from our limited perspective of what God could be thinking. You know, we look at God and we say, oh, he's merciful, but he's also judge. 
God is all God is loving. Yes, but he's also righteous. And that doesn't take away from him. It expands the perspective. I got a chance to to tour uh, Israel and I, I was over there at the Gaza Strip on the on the border and it was one of the most dangerous points in the world. And uh, one of the gentlemen that was literally over that space, he said, the problem with you in the West is that you want black or white. He said, here in Israel, he said, we live in the gray. And he said, and it's in that tension that you really understand truth. And I think for us, we want to be safe in our own space. That's why cancel culture has been so widely accepted here. Because if you don't agree with me, then, then you don't have the right... When in reality, we don't know it all. We don't have all the answers. And I invite people that come contrary in respect, but that are that have contrary perspectives, because I think it is going to expand my knowledge and make me better. It's not going to make me less. Hmm. I like the, uh, I think it's Alistair Begg, the uh, pastor out of uh, mm-hmm. Parkside Church in Cleveland. He, he said, when you go into an argument, know your line, mm-hmm. but don't have your mind made up. That's good. Uh, that was an interesting mm-hmm. uh, context that you would you would go into it. You you, you know there is a line you're not going to cross, but mm. you don't want to go in closed minded. Yes. To to not respect because you know you don't give anyone anything more valuable than your time. Right. So here you are engaging in a conversation. Why wouldn't you respect that person to the whole to mm. listen to a point of view with an open mind? allowing the fact that you know that your line what your line is well and and i think it's that type of conversation that has made uh podcasts like the joe rogan experience the most successful is because he brings people i'm not necessarily for it um i'm not for that that necessarily podcast but he brings people that are contrary and they have civil conversations Mm. there's other um, there's other podcasts that do the same thing too, and they they fare very very well. Ratings are through the roof, and so what we learn is that uh, the general society of America is not contrary to hearing something that's against them. What we see is that people in control of media are against people that are against them, and so I, I think there's something about power to the people, you know, uh, being against the establishment. Because I think there's beauty when there's respect in disagreements. Yeah, I agree all the way. That's uh, how we got founded as a nation. That's how we uh, hammered out the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And, you know, the Bill of Rights was actually generated to make sure the government didn't have too much power, yes. right? So, you know, that was a dialogue, and mm-hmm. that was not easy for the 13 uh, oh, states to sign off on. I mean, it was, uh, it was a tough one, tough one to work through. I mean, you, you think about establishing something of that magnitude. You left England— and so here you are establishing the new world. And, and, and so I can't imagine the conversations that went late into the night with candles almost melting off the wick as they go from the extremes of what they experience under, under monarchy, under the, the crown, and now having freedom and being able to establish that. I would have loved to have sat in rooms like that. Yeah, and that, that's why we have to respect it so, right? Because <laughs> once, once they uh, navigated through that, they came away with a document that's lasted the ages and uh, yes. it deserves the respect that we, uh, we that, that they put into it, the effort that they put into it. So, so arguments are healthy, and they, they bring out, the, the, like say, the contrary and what have you. When, you know, and the other thing I, I thought Alistair really laid out, he, he used it you know, just to, to uh, go to the topic of, of homosexuality. He says, you know, the culture says that we're either to, uh, you know, to love the person, or hate the person that is homosexual, or we're to affirm them. <laughs> and, 
And as a biblical Christian, you can do neither. Mm-hmm. Our job is to honor and respect them where they are. We're right. not judging one way or the other. But we're certainly not going to hate them. But from a biblical standpoint, we're not to affirm uh, the lifestyle either. So it was interesting that uh, you know if we would meet all the situations, whether it's political, uh, uh, cultural, sexual, whatever the case may be, if we could meet folks where they are, honor and respect them, then maybe the the dialogue would you see that uh, would that help the dialogue in any uh, well i think we have to understand as believers that love doesn't necessarily equal agreement mm-hmm. you can disagree with somebody and still love them and understand that it's not a place for mockery but it's a place for grace mm-hmm. and i think again you don't you don't move away from truth but you do open the door to understand the person's situation. As we've seen that type of lifestyle, there usually is trauma-based uh, history, experiences, and there's a lot that's going on, and a lot of times we can win them with love, and you can still stand strong in your stance. Right. And so I think it's important for the church to navigate this space. We must be strong in our love, but we must be strong in our truth. And we also have to be understanding, and you just made a comment that uh, most times there is trauma mm-hmm. that's, that's led a person down this, uh, this road. And it's arguable whether they were ever, some were born that way. Mm-hmm. There are some studies about the hypothalamus and what have you, then there, there's an argument for that. But we, we can't say that that's always the case or the other is always. Mm-hmm. The key, key is to respect the fact of where that person is, how they got there, and, and how we can love on them in the meantime. And so loving unconditionally but not embracing uh, or condoning or affirming is, is always part of the, part of the, uh, the challenge, isn't it, to, to find that right way to honor, respect, but as Christ said, he, he, he loved unconditionally, yet what he called it, the tension between grace and truth. You know, without truth, uh, you know, there can be no grace. Without uh, grace, there can be no, no truth. Mm-hmm. You know, they, we, have to, we have to understand that that tension that Jesus walked in uh, is the tension that we're in today. And how we navigate through it has everything to do with how impactful we'll be in the midst of it. Huh? Yeah, and I think that's the importance of tethering to love and to truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... What other pretensions are out there that are tugging at, uh, do you see, that are tugging at kids today? You know, I think so much of it is um, having the freedom to do whatever you want. Like there's this blank check that you have the right to do anything, whether it be um, have the government pay all your bills. Um, You can be anything you want when you grow up. It's these promises that were never fact-checked or verified. And so children are literally being set up to fail. Now, I'm not one on the very far extreme, uh, actually, about giving everybody a ribbon. I, I love when my children lose. I think it teaches a great lesson and inspires them to try harder. And so I think it's this aspect of creating a culture where everybody wins when not everybody wins, of allowing people to think they can do whatever they want without having to suffer consequences is uh, false, and it's something that is going to catch up with consequences very very fast right and uh, i agree with you 100 percent. everybody gets a trophy it doesn't work out so well yeah and uh and that's why i love again the seasons of fathering that in that coach season it's all about 
hoping your kids fail mm-hmm. while they're under your tutelage so right. you can coach them through getting back up. It's, uh, the comeback's always greater so than good. the setback, you know. That, uh, uh, so ha- ha- helping kids work through those failures and those uh, body blows that they will take through life is, mm-hmm. a, is a huge deal. So, so pretensions that culture puts out there, whether it's uh, expectations or, or lower expectations or, uh, or the sexuality issues or anything along those lines, these are the things that we're trying to help uh, our kids navigate through. Uh, what are the flags that say, watch out, this, this is something that uh, uh, we have to be in tune with, that we have to identify as a pretension we want to absolutely blast through? Um, today, almost anything in culture, <laughs> it seems like um, what's good is bad, what's bad is good, what's yes is no, what's no is yes. And so you literally have to sift everything the culture puts through the colander of God's truth and make sure only that which is the Lord's comes through. So, um, I, you know, I've I've really tried to raise children that are, to a certain extent, anti-establishment, um, that are contrary to the culture and the ways of the world that we see. We don't hold to any establishment. We hold to truth. And so when you hold to truth, establishments can change, but truth never does. And so we, we challenge our kids to question everything. Uh, my wife has really gotten frustrated with that. <clears throat> but it's this aspect of, okay, if you know truth, then that gives you the freedom of question. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we look at everything culture um, with a question. And it takes a long time, um, but we have a lot of conversations, and our children have a better, more well-rounded understanding of what truth is, how it's applicable, and how do you live in today's day and age. Mm. I like the Second Corinthians 10.5. It says that, uh, you know, that, we're to demolish all arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, it's like the uh, the old counterfeit dollar bill story. You know, you don't teach kids about the counterfeits. You teach uh, yes. they teach the bankers for the real deal, the dollar. So anything that isn't in line with the dollar, they identify as counterfeit very quickly. Yes. And and from your standpoint, and the challenge of dads out there is to make sure they're bringing their kids up, understanding the knowledge of God, the absolute mm-hmm. truth so that they can demolish those arguments uh, very quickly and say yes. those are not of truth, those are not of God, and I'm not going there. And, right. uh, you, you, you can let your friends go if that's uh, where the direction they're going, but you say, you know, not for, uh, not for me. Yeah. Right? So and at that point, the second half of that verse is to take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And again, you're only obedient to what you know. Right. And if we brought our kids up in the knowledge of God under the absolute truth, then that's an easy, easy decision. And, and I, I think that's why it's important to go through the process every time. We want, a lot of times we want to shortchange the process because, oh, they've already done it or they know what to do. But there's value in going through the process because it becomes second nature. And now any bit of information that they don't currently know is truth or from the scriptures, they will now take that through that process because they've already practiced it a hundred times. Right, right. I want to go back to one thing you said earlier that I absolutely agree with, and that is, and there's an encouragement to all dads out there, make your home, and particularly your relationship with your kids, a safe place Mm -hmm. to where they can ask, they can bring anything to you that they've run into. You know, I just, I'm always... uh, broken up by the fact that uh, teenage kids want to talk to their parents about sex yes. and, uh, and healthy relationships. And either parents are too busy 
uh, or they just don't want to go there. They don't want to. They don't want to have those hard conversations. Or they're struggling with some sexuality issues themselves, mm -hmm. and uh, and they don't want. They're they're confused themselves. So they don't off. So what happens then is the kids go off into the internet and peers, mm -hmm. which is into that relative truth range <laughs> yeah. that uh, that doesn't necessarily reflect what you want your kids to come up under. Yeah. So uh, that's the reason why the foundation is so crucial. Do you have any other uh, thoughts or comments as we wrap this segment up here? Uh, last tip for dads or uh, Mike? You know, I, I want to challenge all dads to train their children in communication, to be able to understand the art of communication, to be able to pose an idea, express how they feel, and also be able to accept how somebody else feels and what somebody else thinks. And I think in that place, it's not about shutting off every other voice. It's about knowing how to contend with your truth against every other voice. Hope you're taking notes, Dad, because that right there is a dad you're called to be, and that's the dad the next generation needs. Thank you, Mike. 